these next four weeks, we take on that mindset of prophets in our community. If these next four weeks, we take on the mindset of prophets within our homes, within our families, I believe God will lead us into a new season of growth. Maybe not numerical growth, but spiritual growth in our own lives, personally and as a church. I believe that's where God's calling us to go. So we're going to talk about God. We're going to talk about God's heart for the lost, the God that saves, the God that delivers, the God that forgives, and the God that loves. You see, that's the God that we serve. Amen? That's the God that that we worship. That's the God that we call out to in prayer. That's the God that we call out to when things in this life are not going our way, when we have no other answer in ourselves. That's the God that we serve. Praise the Lord. So we're going to talk about God, and we're going to talk about Jonah, of course, as we go through the book of Jonah. We're going to talk about Jonah. Jonah was a prophet a spokesman for God, but often he was called the reluctant prophet. I don't know which is worse, the reluctant prophet, the the name to which Jonah bore, or the doubting Thomas. Right? I don't want either one of those. And so when God calls me to be a prophet, to speak and to act on his behalf, I want to jump fully in. You see, Jonah was a reluctant prophet, not because he was called to to just go out and speak on God's behalf, but because God gave him a specific call and it sickened Jonah. At a guttural level, it made Jonah Jonah sick. He said, "I, I don't want to do that, God. Call me to anything else but that, God. I will, I will go anywhere. I will do anything except for that. So here we go. Jonah chapter 1, verse 1. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it. Because its wickedness has come up before me, this great city of Nineveh. That probably made Jonah sick right from the the get-go. This great city of Nineveh. The great city of Nineveh was the capital of Assyria. That's what you need to understand. The population in the great city of Nineveh was about 120,000. To give us some bearing, the population in Evansville is a little over 117,000. So that's the city size that Jonah was called to go to and preach to. And yet Jonah did not want to go. Jonah didn't want to go because Assyria, in which Nineveh was the capital of, was the great enemy of the Jewish people. And we will, we will find, in when we get to chapter 4 of Jonah, we will find that, that Jonah understood God's character. Jonah understood God's heart. Jonah understood that God does 
save, that God does deliver, that God does forgive, and that God does love anyone who submits to Him. And Jonah's deepest fear was not that he had to go out and preach. He was not afraid of public speaking. Jonah was not afraid of, of going into the city. No, Jonah was afraid that if he went... If he preached, he knew that God had sent, was sending him there for a specific reason, and he knew that the people in Nineveh, that they would have a change of heart, that they would repent, and that God would forgive them, and Jonah could not accept that. He said, I hate those people. So much so that I will not go there because I do not want to see God forgive them. So let me ask you a personal question. Are there any people, are there any people groups in which when you think about them, you cannot believe that God would forgive them, that God would save them, that God would accept them because God loves them? Are there any people or people groups in which you, you cannot accept the fact that God loves them just as much as He loves you. And that He wants to save them just as much as He desired to save you. That He wants to spend eternity in their presence just as much as you want to spend eternity in His presence. See, it's a, it's a difficult... It's a difficult assignment when we think of those specific people or people groups in our world today. Maybe it's people we've never met. Maybe it's people you will never meet. It's just people that you struggle to forgive. That have done something against you or against your family and you say, I cannot forgive that person. See, as I wrote this this last week, I, I first had to wrestle with my own heart. So are there any people that are close to me or even some that are far off that I struggle to forgive? And the answer was, was yes. Yes, there are. And God called me to, to forgive. And, and then I wrestled, I wrestled with God. Anybody ever wrestle with God? It's a fun activity. Oh, my. He always wins. But I wrestled with God. God, you, you have to understand this person did this. They called me some bad names. God, you have to understand that this, this person had some bad things to say about my family. How dare they? So God, you can understand that I have trouble forgiving them, right? You of all people can, can accept that, that I have trouble forgiving people who have done me wrong. And then... And then a news story popped up, an update on a news story popped up on my phone. Two families who are looking for someone that killed their little girls. And I stood right, right here, I stood right here, and I wrestled with this. God, you forgive even them? You forgive even that guy? If he turns to you right now, you'd forgive him? It's the same answer, yes. Yes, I would. I said, how, how can that be, God? And you call me to forgive everyone, people who have not done all that much to me or against me or against my family, and I struggle with that. How dare I struggle? See, that's where Jonah was. It wasn't just a, a surface-level hurt. Jonah, it, it cut him deeply. People that had, had done and, and murdered things 
or people in his community. And he said, God, I cannot believe that you would forgive them. But I want to tell you this, God saved Nineveh. God saved Nineveh because they were wicked and because they were in need of salvation. Nothing else. They were wicked and they needed salvation and God saw that and he said, I want to save those people. I'm going to reach down. It's the same reason that God saves us today. That's the first two verses. Let's go on. We could be here for a while. Verse 3. But Jonah, he hears this call from God. It's all laid out for him. He says, go to the great city of Nineveh. Go to the great people of Nineveh. Preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and he headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound for that port. And after paying the fare, he went aboard, sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Jonah heard the call of God completely clear. This is where you go. This is what you do. Here's who you talk to. And he said, great, I understand God. Now I'm going to go. I'm going to flee. I'm going to go in the opposite direction. Not to flee from the people of Nineveh. No, instead to flee from the Lord. He was running away from God. Do we understand that? Oh my goodness. See, so when God gives us a call and we choose not to obey it, are we, in fact, fleeing from the Lord? Yeah, we're fleeing from God's call, aren't we? We're running away from His call. And sometimes we, we put a face to it, somebody that we hate. How dare I say that? But we put a face to it, and we say, I'm going to run away from those people. I don't want anything to do with those people. But in fact, the truth of the matter is, if God's called us to those people, or called us to forgive that person, what we are doing when we go the opposite direction is fleeing from the Lord, running away from God. That's a dangerous way to put it, isn't it? Verse 4 then. Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea... Remember, Jonah's on a ship now. Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea, and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. All the sailors were afraid, and each cried out to his own God, and they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten up the ship. But Jonah... Oh my goodness, get this. Jonah had gone below deck where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. Jonah is sound asleep. All of the other sailors are up aboard. They're, they're, they're running around trying to secure the cargo. They're running around trying to, 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 to fit the sails and, and get everything in line because this storm is crashing into their ship and there lays Jonah down below sawing logs, right? Probably the only reason they found him is because he's snoring so loudly. It said he fell into a deep sleep. I, I made that up. He fell into a deep sleep. Apparently Jonah's conscience was not bothering him to the degree that he was losing any sleep over the matter. He realized that he's running away from God, but that didn't bother him. No, instead he says, you know what, guys, I'm going to go downstairs and take a nap. You, you, guys, you guys are all right up here. I, I know there's a storm coming. It's all right. I'm going to go down, down below where it's a little bit quieter. Where there's not so much commotion. I'm going to take a little nap. You guys all right with that? Verse 6. The captain went to him, sleeping Jonah, kicked him a few times, pulled his hair... 
woke him up, the captain went to him and said, How can you sleep? How can you sleep? Stop there and just, just let that question hang in the air. How can you sleep? Get up and do something. It's because that question, that's a wake-up call. That's a wake-up call. Our ability to sleep through certain circumstances and the conditions of this world, our ability to, to, to sleep and to just let things go the way they are, to gather together in our comfortable church and say, well, you know, I know things aren't the greatest out in our world. I know that it seems like every day we get further and further from the, the ideal call of God, but that's okay. Our ability to sleep through, what, through everything else that's going on in our world today is not a barometer on whether it is right or wrong. See, this is a wake-up call that we should all heed when God says, how can you sleep? Listen to somebody the other day and they just started outlining some of the, the conditions of this world. And I want to tell you, when we think about the brokenness, when we think about the loss, when we think about those that are hurting and far away from God and have nothing to do with God and don't want anything to do with God, it should drive us to tears. It should break our heart because it breaks God's heart. So he goes to Jonah. It begins to wake him up. How can you sleep? Get up and call on your God. Maybe He will take notice of us and we will not perish. Then the sailors said to each other, Come, let us cast lots to find out who is responsible for this calamity. They cast lots and the lot fell on Jonah. Now, if you've missed anything up to this point, know this. The sailors each called out to their own God. I believe that's verse 4 or 5. They each called out to their own God. So they did not submit to God, the Almighty Creator of the heavens and the earth, the one that sustains all life. They each cried out to their own God. So when the captain of the ship goes down, sees Jonah asleep, he wakes him up and he says, call out to your God. Maybe we've got it all wrong. Call out to your God and maybe he will answer us in our time of distress. So Jonah goes upstairs and they cast lots and the lot falls on Jonah. So let me say this. That's a superstition. And the only reason the lot fell on Jonah is because God intervened and, and called Jonah out. You ever been called out in a group of friends? You ever been called out and, and, and the, the light shines on you and they say, you're responsible for this? It's all your fault? Are you kidding me? That's where Jonah's at right here in this passage, verse 7. So they cast lots and the lot fell on Jonah. Verse 8. So they ask him. He's standing there, big spotlight shining down upon him. They all know Jonah's guilty. This is the guy right here. So they ask him, tell us who's responsible for making all this trouble for us. What do you do? Where do you come from? What is your country? And from what people 
are you? He answered, verse 9, I am a Hebrew and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven who made the sea and the land. Listen to Jonah's statement in the midst of this. He's running away from God. A storm's crashing in. He's been woken up. Everybody's pointing at him saying, Jonah, you're guilty. You're the, 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 the party that's in the wrong. And yet Jonah says, I am a Hebrew and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven who made the sea and the land. Jonah had not lost his faith. He still believed in God. He had not lost his commitment. He was still committed wholeheartedly to Jesus Christ. He just decided, I don't want to follow what God's calling me to do. See, it's a dangerous, dangerous path. But some of us walk down when we say, I'm not going to submit to God. God, I'm not leaving you entirely. I'm still committed to you. I still believe wholeheartedly in you, Jesus. I just don't want to do what you're calling me to do because it's a difficult task. I am a Hebrew and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven who made the sea and the land. Verse 10, this terrified them. Well, I bet. This terrified them and they asked, What have you done? There's a wake-up call. And I just woke up a couple. What have you done? What's wrong with you? How can you be so stupid? You know that you worship the God of all of heaven and all of earth. You know that you worship the God that made everything and that sustains everything, and yet you decided in your own knowledge that you're going to run away from God, that you're not going to listen to Him, even though He made that command so very clear in front of you. And you say, you know what, those are a, those are a lost people that I don't care about, even though God cares about them. I don't care about them. It's just not in me, so maybe God will send somebody else. I'm going to go on over here, jump on a ship, and fall asleep as I head the opposite direction. These sailors who didn't have a relationship with God didn't really care about God up to this point. They said to Jonah, what have you done? What's wrong with you? For they knew that he was running away from the Lord because he had already told them. You ever had a wake-up call like that in your life? Amen. You know what you're supposed to do. It's all so clear before you. It's laid out so very nicely. You know that God's in it, but then you say, you know what, I just, it's just not convenient for me. I just don't want to do that right now. So I'm going to run away from the Lord. Verse 11, the sea was getting rougher and rougher. So they asked him, what should we do to you to make the sea calm down for us? What should we do to you, Jonah, to make this sea calm down? Listen to his answer. Pick me up and throw me into the sea, he replied, and it will become calm. I know that it is my fault that this great storm has come upon you. God is still speaking to Jonah at this point. Notice that. Jonah says, I know with all certainty if you throw me in, the sea's going to calm down. Everything's going to be all right because I know it's my fault. And get this. This, is, this, this should uh, be a gut check for us. Jonah is willing to give up his life at this point. Jonah is willing to give up his life for the sailors, but he's not willing to even go to Nineveh to share the good news about God. Wow. See, there's people in, in, in our lives that we're willing to give up our life for. And yet when God lays something out before us and He says, I want you to go and have a conversation with a family member, we say, oh, but that's really difficult. I don't know, that might, that might be uncomfortable. 
I'd die for that family member, but I don't want to tell them about Jesus because they might look at me funny. You know, might think I'm a fanatic. Something. Whew. Jonah's willing to give up his life for these sailors, but he wouldn't do... He wouldn't do the, the minute task of going to Nineveh and speaking to those people. Why? Because he hated them. He hated them. And he couldn't accept that God loved them. See, it's odd to me that Jonah didn't say here, just go ahead and turn around, take me back to the port, drop me off, because I'm running away from God. It's odd to me that Jonah didn't just say, hey, take me back so I can get on a ship and, and head for Nineveh. Instead, Jonah says, just go ahead and kill me. I'd rather die than go there. Whew. That's the truth. That's why Jonah didn't say, just turn around and go. He said, kill me. Because at least if I'm dead, God can't call me to go talk to the Ninevites. That's how much he hated them. Pick me up, throw me into the sea, he replied, and it will become calm. I know that it's my fault, and this great storm, that this great storm has come upon me. Verse 13, instead the men did their best to row back to land. So now they're trying, they're trying, they're trying, but they could not, for the sea grew even wilder than before. Then they cried out to the Lord, O Lord, please do not let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man. For you, O Lord, have done as you please. Now, here are the sailors trying their best to, to row back to land. They cry out to God, God, don't hold us accountable. We are innocent, but we're going to kill this man. We're going to throw him overboard and leave him to drown. Maybe to be eaten by the sharks. We don't know. Don't hold us accountable because we're just doing what you want us to do. We are just doing what you, what, what all signs are pointing to here, God, so don't hold us accountable. Get this here, folks. God saved the sailors at this moment because they had a change of heart. These sailors, these same sailors who had prayed out, called out, yelled out to their own gods, they had cast lots to find out who was responsible, whose God was causing this. Everything pointed to Jonah, and at that moment, they had a wake-up call of their own, and they turned to God, the Almighty Creator of heaven and earth. And now, they're calling out to Him in prayer, God, don't hold us accountable. We are just obeying what you want us to do. Verse 16, then. At this, the men greatly feared the Lord, and they made vows to Him. Vows. I think ahead when, 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 when they say, when they talk about vows to the Lord, repent and be baptized, each and every one of you, for the forgiveness of your sin. They called out to God. Maybe, maybe some of us think of a, uh, the, the sinner's prayer. God, forgive me for my sins. Right? I wanna, I'm going to follow you. You are my Savior. You are my Lord, my Master. I'm going to follow you all the days of my life. These are the kind of vows the sailors made on that day. Vows and sacrifices to the Lord. But the Lord, verse 17, provided a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was inside the fish three days and three nights. Now, some of you would say, how awful. Jonah was swallowed by a great 
fish. But Jonah was saved. God saved Jonah at that moment. God saved Jonah so that he could preach the message of salvation. Nothing else. See, if God did not have a call on Jonah's life, if he did not want to use Jonah from that moment forward, Jonah would have drowned. I am confident in that. But instead, God causes a giant fish to come and swallow Jonah. God saved the Ninevites because they were wicked and in need of salvation. God saved the sailors because they had a change of heart. Now God saves Jonah so that he can preach the message of salvation. See, friends, God is a God of salvation. Amen? God is a God of salvation. Not only does God save, but He also offers second chances. And today, no matter where you are, no matter where I am, no matter what we have done in our past, God wants to offer us a second and a third and a fourth chance into His presence because He wants to save us. A second chance at, at salvation. A second chance of, at obedience. A second chance at following Him for the remaining days of our life. You see, God saves us. I said this before. God saves us because we are wicked and in need of salvation. We are no better off than the Ninevites. We have, we have made enemies of our brothers and sisters in Jesus' name. We have hated, which Jesus says, Matthew 5, Jesus says you hate. It's comparable to killing someone. Because you've, you've committed murder in your heart. God saves us because we are wicked. Except that. And we are in need of salvation. And God's method of salvation... For the Ninevites, God's method of salvation was, was Jonah. He was sending Jonah to their land to speak on his behalf. Our method of salvation was through Jesus Christ. Amen? who came down from heaven, was sent into our world. At any point, Jesus could have said, no, I don't want to go them there. I don't want to talk to those people. They're dirty. They're sinful. I don't want anything to do with them. But instead, Jesus gave up heavenly glory. He came, became one of us. Ugh. I think that's the sacrifice there. Jesus became a human man lived a life, a perfect life, but he lived a life proclaiming God's methods and message of salvation. Then he gave up his life, gave it up. It was not taken from him. He gave it up on a Roman cross. Again, sends shivers down the spine. And then three days later, he arose from the tomb. That's our salvation. It came through Jesus Christ on a cross. Our eternity comes through the hope of Jesus Christ. Matthew 12, 40. Just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a huge fish, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the earth. God saves us because we are wicked and in need of salvation. But God saves us so that we can preach His method, message of salvation. Amen? God saved Nineveh, God saved the sailors, God saved Jonah, God saves us. Praise the Lord. Who else in our community does God want to save? Is he done? Is this it? 
Who else in our community does God want to save? Who else in your family does God want to save? Which of your, your friends, which of your acquaintances, which of your co-workers does God desire to save? I say God saves us so that we can preach the methods, message of salvation. It's so very clear before us. What will we do? What will our next step be? If we take on that challenge of a prophet, what will our next step be? Will we listen to God's call? Go to those people, those that He's putting on our minds, those that He's laying on our hearts right now? Will we listen to His Holy Spirit? Let His Holy Spirit guide us into those situations? Give us the words to speak at the time to speak them? Or will we run? Will we turn and flee from the Lord. See, it's a decision that we have to make today, and it's a decision that we have to make every day from here forward. God's placing that call before us. Will we listen or will we flee? Father God, I thank you today for this account of Jonah. And I thank you today, Jesus, that you lay this challenge before us, God, that you call us, Lord, to be your prophets, your ambassadors, Lord, in this world. Lord Jesus, give us the strength. Give us the strength, Lord, every day forward. I pray, God, that you would give us ears to hear your call. That when we hear you call, God, give us a heart to obey and to go. And be your witness to all parts of the world. God, bring to mind right now, Holy Spirit, people in our community. Right now, Jesus, I pray that you would bring to our minds people in our families, God, that your heart is just broken over because they are far from you right now. And God, I pray that you would give us the confidence knowing that it is not on our own, in our own power that we are able to be your witness. But God, it is through you. Give us tools, Jesus, to use to reach the lost, to reach the hurting, to reach the broken. In your mighty name, Jesus, we thank you. Amen.